welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for your listening pleasure with episode number 12. That's right, we are racking them up. I'm your host and my name is Shorty and I am joined again by a bunch of beans on the line with me. Today I have Chewy. How you going, Chewy? Good. Thanks for staying up late. That's all right. And uh, we also have Cracker. How you going, Cracker? Good, mate. Yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm okay considering... That uh, my wife is now over a week overdue from having this baby. I was not expecting to be on this podcast tonight, but here we are, and this baby is still not here. So I feel yeah. really sorry oh. for you and not your wife in this situation, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really struggling with this. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, hopefully the next couple of days. But yeah, Chewy, you've been uh, pretty busy with work, so we are recording a late one tonight, which is a little bit different for us, and uh, that sort of meant that a couple of the other guys couldn't be here but we will still have some very good content for you our listeners out there so it's been a pretty exciting couple of weeks as we previewed on the last podcast there was a mythic championship coming up mythic championship number five that's a uh it's a tongue twister you say that too many times mythic championship i'm glad they've moved away from that but uh yeah mythic mythic championship now i can't even say it <laughs> mc5 man mc5, MC5. sounds there like a go. bad 80s rapper Yes, yes. Whoa, whoa. So, hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> or a, a good 80s rapper. <laughs> and 80s rapper. No, I wouldn't say rapper. that either. And 80s yes. rapper. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, anyway, that thing happened on the uh, last weekend, and uh, I, I managed to watch quite a bit of it, and it was an arena mythic championship. So, yeah, as we mentioned previously, it's quite good to watch. The uh, the watching experience is good with uh, being able to see what's in everybody's hands and know exactly what's going on, and they run plenty of replays. So, I, I certainly enjoyed watching a bit of that. Uh, Chewy, I know you watched a, a little bit. How, how much did you get to catch, and, and what did you think of it all? Uh, I didn't get to see as much as I would have liked. Um, as you mentioned, uh, pretty busy with work, and that meant uh, working Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, last week. So I got to watch a little bit of it um, live at, at work. Don't tell my boss, but, you know, <laughs> streaming Twitch on my phone at my desk uh, whilst doing night shift. Um, so, yeah, it, as you said, it was, it's a great viewing experience in comparison to Paper Magic. Um the the production is really good. Um, yeah, the gameplay was a really good job. Yeah, and the gameplay was much better than I anticipated. Something we can get into as we go along, but yeah, I was I was expecting just like boring Golos mirrors for days. But, <laughs> but pe- I think everybody was expecting that. <laughs> yeah. So the people that brought the sort of anti Golos decks or just the other good deck in the Bent deck. Um, sort of gave us something interesting to watch. They probably got creative with who was on the main stage with the the, the pairings a little bit as well. Um, but one of the things I really liked was the the in between match stuff, where in the past they would just show like effectively PowerPoint slides with music about you know team series and things that you didn't really care about. They had the the coverage team doing like a couch panel. Thing, like unpacking what happened in the matches or previewing the upcoming matches and like it was a lot more engaging so I like hats off to the the coverage team for that I think um, that's a, a big improvement over what we've seen in the past yeah they, they definitely did a pretty good job of sort of building a few storylines over the weekend of various players and and yeah just getting to getting to actually have a conversation with the players after matches and, and you know after they've been locked into day two and, and things like that in a professional manner was really different. Like in in the tabletop pro tours, mythic championships, things like that. They'll they'll generally interview somebody after their match sometimes, things like that. But it's always like just two people standing in the middle of a tournament hall sort of thing and it's there's noise in the background and it's uncomfortable and awkward and, you know, this is nerds getting interviewed by <laughs> sometimes sort of semi professional you know, broadcasters and, and, you know, it's not all that engaging, but they did a much, much better job of that. And I'm, I'm assuming that before they got people up on those stages to have a chat with them on, on those couch settings, there was, I guess, a bit of a rundown about this is what we're going to talk about and that sort of stuff. So it wasn't, wasn't a shock in the, the questions that people are getting asked. So yeah, I, d- I definitely enjoyed that as well. Did, uh, did you manage to catch any of it, Cracker? Yeah, I did. I, I saw a little bit. Not, again, not as much as I'd like. I want to go back and watch some of the VODs, but, um, yeah, really impressed. They did a great job. One of the things that I liked as well were the um, little phone interviews they were interspersing through, uh, yeah, and yeah. they were also using those as um, like 
um, lead up bits. So you'd see them on Twitter and they'd have, you know, just like a, a little 30 second interview with like Reed Duke and they'd just ask a bunch of like, not even magic related questions necessarily, but just kind of more about getting to know the players, which is a really um, good thing to do. It's a really important part of magic being an esport because if you want it to be that, you know, sport, people need someone to follow. Like, you know, you got to build personalities. You, yeah, you got to yeah. have a, you got to have a I guess a team to follow in that sense, so. Yeah, it's um it's something that Cedric Phillips who was actually on the the broadcast team, he's been on the last couple of the the mythic uh, the arena uh championships and he's he's obviously Heavily involved in Star City Games, uh, does a lot of their coverage, that sort of thing. He's one of the most popular broadcasters for live magic, so he, d- he does a really good job. But he has his own podcast, which sometimes he talks about magic. A lot of the time he talks about uh, wrestling and NBA. Uh, but he, he, he labels which episode it's going to be talking about, so that's good. You can skip the ones you don't want. But, uh, yeah, he's always been harping on about star building, and that's something that the Star City circuit's done a really good job of with their players' championships and things like that where they they do a lot of backgrounds on players and, and things like that. So for exactly that reason, it's it's like, yeah, sports stars, like you said, Chewy, if you if if they're just faceless people playing whatever sport you're interested in and you don't know anything about them, you, you don't get as invested. Whereas if you know who that player is and why he's into magic and when he got into magic and what his background is and, and all that sort of stuff, it's yeah, you, you kind of get a little bit more invested in them personally. Absolutely. Which makes you then want to watch the tournament more and get into Magic more and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, they, they did a pretty good job of that through the weekend. It's, it's a much easier tournament for them to control as well. I mean, yeah, like the old school PTs are, you know, there are hun- hundreds of players in a convention centre as opposed to, you know, they've got, what, 64, yeah. 68 Six, players? 68 in total. Right. And then, so I know the day before the tournament, they get everyone in, they do a media prep day. So they're, they're coaching people, not necessarily with the answers, but like, here's what we're going to do. Here's how it's going to work. And it also means that they don't have to like worry about the dude that just won the feature match, grabbing him and hoping that he can converse coherently yeah. right you can yeah. kind of go well i've got bbd and i know he's going to spout a bunch of nonsense and he's kind of a big bombastic <laughs> figure yeah. right and like he just is but that is a good interview and like you know that it's going to be funny and it's going to be fun or you can grab someone like huey who's going to give you some really good insightful information about like his position in the metagame and why they decided to put disdainful strokes in the main and stuff like that so they can kind of pick which player they want to speak to about which thing rather than just go hey so you outdrew your opponent last game congratulations it lets them kind of tailor what they're going to do which must be really nice for wizards to have that level of control yeah i really enjoyed the the post-match interview with um kenji with numot the nummy yep uh when he locked himself in for day two um <clears throat> i mean I've, I've watched um never watched him stream but i have found myself watching um playbacks of his drafts um on youtube and, like, he's very, I wouldn't call him arrogant, but he's very <laughs> sure, sure of himself, right? Uh, he's confident. And, um, and you know, you're just don't, not sure whether that's, like, the stream persona, but it either is him or he brought that to the, to the interview. And, you know, he was, he was very sure of himself in that, you know, I, I played well. I made day two on the biggest stage against the best players. I feel like I've I played well enough and I chose the right deck to do that. And then um, is it Becca who was doing those post-match yeah, interviews? Yeah, Becca Scott. Yeah. She was saying, oh, you know, like, so you've made Mythic on both constructed and limited in on Arena. Like, how how hard was that to do? And he's like, well, yeah, I'm pretty good at limited, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> So I really enjoyed that because he, um, you know, like part of the star building is is to see those personalities and you know you've got you've got people that are that are a bit reserved you've got people that are really insightful and you, then you've got people that you know bring that something else with their their personality so he's not he's not trying to be funny like um, BBD would get up there and it's like okay. I'm going to take every opportunity to try to make somebody laugh here where Huey will be like, I'm very analytical and I will give you that analysis where someone else, someone like Kenji is just like, Hey, I'm just a streamer who happens to be pretty good at this game and I just proved it. So um, I'm pretty stoked with myself. And and that's, <laughs> I, I, I totally respect that. I think that's awesome. 
Yeah, no. definitely. Yeah, but don't you want to pay attention to him now? If he just gone and said, oh, you yeah, know, I got really lucky. Like, he understands how to be entertaining and how to be engaging with an audience. And that's really what they need. And so, that's why they put people like him on. So, props to Wizards. Well done. I know they had a few issues with, like, some of the clients crashing and stuff like that. There were games yeah, that not, not had ideal. to reset, which is pretty uh, average I, i've watched but, counter-strike I mean, tournaments and uh that's that still happens and you know yeah, ca- yeah. counter-strike tournaments have been filling thirty thousand people arenas for 20 years uh and it's and it still happens so I've, it's just part of technology it's part of playing having a digital game like there's yeah. there's going to be things that are going to happen programs going to crash and, and that sort of stuff so yeah it definitely is not isolated to magic and I think they've handled it fairly well in most circumstances. I saw a few tweets on Twitter of people complaining that, you know, they were mid-match and they had to restart their match and or they were, you know, close to basically killing their opponent and they had to restart their match and then they it's, lost. And You can appreciate people's yeah. frustration there, right? Yeah, because definitely. There's no way to gracefully resume that kind of no. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised that uh, – I don't know if they do have this feature and maybe it's something that's still in the works, but – I don't know why there can't be a like a constant game log that keeps track of the state of a game and the order that the library's in and, and things like that, so that if that circumstance happens, it can just go, oh, we crashed, okay, yep. It's a lot well, of data, just, man. Yeah, 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 I know There's it would no, be, but- no technical reason why that can't happen, but the True. constant logging, of the, the, sorry, the technical limitation is just juice, right? Like, to, yeah, to yeah. be able to do that in real time for, massive- for a tournament like that where you're only running- you know, there's 68 players. They're not all playing at the same time. You've got maybe 24 matches going on at the same time, sort of thing at, at the most. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's got to be built in in the first place, though. So it's not the sort of thing you yeah, can just yeah. add yeah, as and, an and afterthought. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an IT nerd like you guys. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I just um, build houses. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more thing on the coverage, just before we like start talking about the decks that people actually played. One of the things I really liked about it was. Because there was monitors in between the players, they didn't always show their poker face. Um, and, yeah, and yeah, the, I, I love this. Yeah, the best example of that was in the final when yep. uh, Javier Dominguez put Embercleave into play, and um, he, you know, he his opponent had like mana up, could have had a counter spell, could have, you know. Had had um, an ether gust or you know a, a number of things that would have blown him out, and just the look on his face was like, yeah, do you have it? Like you know, and he was like uh, uncomfortably twisting in his chair. Like it was his real reaction, his real emotion. Whereas if he was playing in Paper Magic where his opponent could see him, he'd be stone faced. So not only is it better, as in the game clients, better and easier to keep track of what things are at, you know, what's an elk on the on the battlefield and, and what's not. <laughs> Everything is the answer. Everything is an elk. Everything's an elk, yeah. But you get to see, you know, the a little bit more some 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 players are just stone faced no matter what. But um, players some of the players, you know, let their guard down in that sense because they could, because their opponent couldn't actually see them. And that yeah. made it much better for us watching. It, yeah, it, it brings uh, a bit of humanity into it and lets you have that human connection, you know, where you go, this is, that's exactly how I react when I'm sitting at home playing arena and, you know, I top deck the card that I needed. I'm jumping out of my chair and I'm, you know, pumping my fist in the air and things like that. Oh, and I'm like br- I said, Chewie, you, I'm breathing you, you through never my fist. see that in tabletop. No, in, that's in, right. In, ta- in tabletop. And, and that's a thing that's kind of annoyed me for a while. It's like, if you celebrate when you win something in tabletop, it's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't celebrate. That's, you know, going over the top. That's rude to your opponents, or whatever. And it's like, no, you just won. Like, why shouldn't yeah. you celebrate? You know, you, you win a footy match and what do you do? <laughs> you run around going, yeah, we're the best. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's what you do. You when sing you, a when song you even, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to rub it in even more. <laughs> I, I uh, I'm going to be really conscious of how often I, uh, you know, have my fist up to my mouth and breathe into it, like I I do when I'm nervous about stuff. <laughs> yes, uh, we've seen your draft videos, man. Quite often is the answer. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody actually watches them. That's nice. Yeah, buddy, I yeah. watch them. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So heading into the tournament. The big uh, bad wolf, well, though there was a few wolves in the tournament, <laughs> was uh, Bant Golos. And we, I think we spoke about a little bit on the previous podcast that the deck lists had been uh, released and it was like 40-something percent of the metagame was Bant Golos, which was pretty much what everybody expected. 
I don't, we don't, I don't have the metagame breakdown in front of me, but there was, yeah, a lot of Bankolos, a lot of Simic food. About 42%. Yeah, and then a whole bunch of other random bits and pieces sort of strewn in there. But, uh, the, yeah, Golos was kind of the story of the event and everybody was expecting, like Chewie said, just to have a whole bunch of, uh, mirror matches, you know. Golos versus Golos, really long games, really boring, that sort of thing. And and whether it was Wizards manning, managing to pick the games that they were showing or, or what the go was, but I didn't see much of that and I watched a fair bit of the coverage. So, yeah, we thought we'd have a bit of a talk about the, some of the decks that we did see there and uh, what were the winning decks. So, Cracker, I know you've got uh, a list of decks in front of you. Do you want to take us off on that one? I do. I've got the... I've got the whole list here, but um, I thought I might just quickly run through the top eight. So, as we mentioned, congratulations, Javier Dominguez, the world champion from last year. We were talking about his sweet card, the Fervent Champion. Well, he's going back to Worlds again this year because he just won this one uh, with Gruel Aggro. So, red-green, super aggressive, built to basically just get under Golos for the most part, and then trample over with Embercleave for the Unfortunately, win. Unfortunately, not not playing his signature card. He did not, which <laughs> seems like just a wasted opportunity. Yeah. But uh, that's exactly what he did in the finals. He beat Bant Golos. Um, and then from there on out, it was Bant Food, Bant Ramp, Simic Food, Mardu Knights, Simic Food, Mono Red Cavalcade. Can you pick the theme for most of the top eight there, boys? <laughs> uh, blue and green. Blue and green. <laughs> so, the most played card in the whole tournament was Once Upon a Time. As we said, free spells, broken. Uh, and then the next most played card was actually uh, Hydroid Crisis, Growth Spiral, Veil of Summer, Circuitous Route. So, the top cards, the top five cards are all green. Mm. So, it's kind of insane how much it's dominating at the moment. The Simic blue-green colour pair, and then splashing white quite often for things like Teferi and some of the other fun stuff, uh, yeah, is currently the top of standard, despite Certainly the fact is. that red-green won. That, that was, <laughs> it's, 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 it's an interesting point to make and, and something that people who played Magic for a long time understand is top eights are not necessarily the best gauge of what a format actually is. No, um, just, just because Gruul Aggro won does not mean that Gruul Aggro is the best deck. In fact, it's probably nowhere near the best deck. And, and even Javier Dominguez himself, he was not going to play that deck. And then, like, literally the morning of submitting deck list, he was like, ah, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to play this deck. Submitted his deck. And then for the next few days, was just going, why the hell did I submit that deck? <laughs> I should not be playing that deck. Well, he actually next- got through on the minimum record you could yeah, as well. Yeah, so, he, he did, scraped yeah. into day two. He scraped into day three. And he was like lowest ranked yeah he was in he the, just the got in eight. on tiebreakers on yeah on the the two days well, to and get lowest rank going into the and then he just finals. managed to run through you know the the top eight well the yep. next best result with gruel aggro only had three wins for the entire tournament yeah yep and then one win no wins with gabby sparts out of the four <laughs> the four gruel decks in Poor the gabby. <laughs> Rough. um she's yeah. uh, look you She's in good company. Like she is. <laughs> yes. Um, ben Stark is also there uh, on zero wins. So um, who had a, a free pass into day two by winning his, yeah. his split? Um, <laughs> uh, Paulo Vito Damo De Rosa one win for the event, for the whole event. So like yeah. when you've got sixty eight of the best players in the world, there's going to be some uh, some players that uh, don't do so well. Like those last the- two players, literally in the Magic Hall of Fame. Yeah. Absolutely. Like Paulo's like, Paul top five of players all time. So Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like Raph Levy, one win. You know, yeah. like some of the-, the- oh, some, Somebody's got to lose. So yeah, that's, that's exactly. That's, that's what happens, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I think the, the big story from the weekend, yeah, was that there was a lot of goal loss, but basically every deck that was not goal loss was built to beat it. Um, we saw a lot of the Simic decks- which is blue green, if you, in case you can't remember. Uh, a lot of them playing things like four of disdainful stroke in the main deck. And disdainful stroke is a counter spell. It's one and a blue that counters a spell with converted mana cost four or greater. So it counters, uh, circuitous route, which is one of the really big ramp spells for the Golos deck. It counters Golos itself, um, can counter big hydro graces if you, if you feel like doing that. They still, still get the triggers from it, but it's a whole bunch of really powerful stuff that it counters in the Golos deck that can just shut it down. Uh, what's his name? Oko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Oko was the Oko. other big. <laughs> yeah. It can't counter Oko. Oko was, uh, no, it can't counter Oko, but Oko was the other big, uh, 
the big showing from the weekend. That card's just, so good. Yeah, and, and like we sort of joked as we were getting into this, just elks everywhere. Doesn't doesn't matter what you play, it's going to get turned into an elk. And uh, that was quite frustrating. I could see a lot of people getting very frustrated at looking at cards in their hand going, yeah, I can play this creature and you've got an Oko on the other side of the battlefield. So it's just going to be a 3-3 next turn and that's not what I need. So... Yeah, in- interesting. Do you, um, but- do you think that some of the power of Javier's deck was everything had haste, so he was getting value out of it anyway, but yeah, he was yeah. playing three threes anyway? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, if you're, if you're turning my guys into three threes, that's probably an upgrade. Yeah, that's it. A lot, a lot of them are three ones and things like that. But yeah, like he, from what he said, he built his deck specifically for the goal loss matchup, and I think he just managed to get lucky enough to win a bunch of games against Golos and, and sort of sneak his way through and, and get there in the end. But the Gruel Aggro deck is definitely not a, a very well-placed uh, deck going forward. And even, like, you look at that top eight and it's it's very diverse. You know, leading into it, everyone would have picked at least four copies of Golos in the, the top eight and there's one. Yeah, I don't know that I'd call it very diverse, man. You've got Bant, 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 <laughs> Simic, no, Simic. they've got different names. They do. They do sure, they do. And they've got 60 cards that are the same. Yeah. So, And <laughs> close, I guess that's the real to. point of the tournament. Like, um, the goal loss, the Field of the Dead decks, let's let's be clear that that's kind of the main draw card to, to that deck was Field of the Dead. Um, kind of, it didn't underperform, but it didn't, overperform either it had like a 50 percent win rate so it's good but it's not busted which is what everyone was saying and the reason it wasn't busted is because everyone was gunning for it but these all these blue green decks are just overperformed basically they they did better than everyone expected and that was because they were tuned very specifically to uh to beat you know field of the dead which they no longer have to be concerned about. Yeah, not a problem anymore. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. So, as we mentioned on the previous podcast, Wizards had announced that they were bringing forward the next ban update. Uh, well, ban and restriction. Re- oh, man, I cannot talk this late at night. Banned and restricted announcement. Got prego brain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's sim- sympathy pregnant brain. Uh, so, that happened on the Monday following the Mythic Championship. And as pretty much everybody expected, Field of the Dead got the ban, uh, as well as uh, Arkham's Astrolabe in Pauper. If, if you're into the Pauper format, I have dabbled into that myself, but- not really something that we've we sort of speak about on here all that much, uh, but from what I've heard, that was causing uh, a lot of grief in the pauper format with everybody just playing five colours. But the big one is the field of the dead. So yeah, we we all pretty much expected it. I don't think any of us on here were shocked that it actually happened. It was that was pretty much <laughs> what the whole world was expecting. I, I which think was what we were waiting on. Like everyone knew that that was going to get banned. What the main speculation was. Was there going to be something from the Simic deck, which is yeah. everyone's assuming he's going to be the next best deck? Um, were they going to ban Oko or, or something from that deck to. I heard a lot try- of people speculating about Nissa being a better target. Yeah. Because she's also awesome. an army yeah. in a can. Yeah, doubles your mana and isn't the chase mythic from the most current set. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's really hard to tell because you look at the results from this Mythic Championship and you go, okay, you know, Field of the Dead wasn't that powerful. You know, fifty percent win rate, one copy in the the top eight, that sort of thing, and then they've still banned it. But it was a very very hostile environment. Everybody was gunning for that deck, knowing that it was going to be the highest percentage. So and it came that, second. Let's not like forget that. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was kind of expected that it wouldn't have the best weekend because of the field that it was playing in, but it was still really powerful the the issue is well, that the everyone's the everyone's next- decks were warped around playing against that deck it was like when we were playing against hogak in modern all of a sudden everybody's decks are warped around having to play against that deck and that's not good that that restricts a lot of uh deck building options and creativity and that's not what wizards wants they they want people to be able to buy the cards and play with the cards that they want to play with so yeah, it's it's definitely still an issue, and that's why they've they've gone ahead and banned it. Yeah, and even though yeah, we talk about the top eight only having one bad goal loss from nine to fifteen at place in this tournament, we're all goal loss decks. Yeah. So it's uh, it 
it put and that's tiebreakers, right? That's literally the same win rate as the dude who won the tournament. They yeah. all had basically the same total number of wins and losses. It was just who they won against versus who they lost against to place them in the top eight. So exactly, you're talking so- about just like the tiny, tiny percentage points between you know eighth and sixteenth, effectively. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the the next thing uh, as uh, Cracker mentioned was people were wondering. Are they going to ban Oko? Are they going to ban Nissa? That sort of stuff. I I think they've done the right thing and not banned anything else. They've they've done it in the past where they've hit things like Reflector Mage when they were banning some other cards in in standard at the same time, just because they looked at it and went, "Oh no, this this card's going to be too powerful now." That sort of stuff. I think with the format being as young as it is, with Throne of Eldraine only being really in legal in standard it's like for a month, a month. Even. like it's it's not very long. Uh, I think by taking out Field of the Dead, which was just such an oppressive end game that no other decks could go bigger against, it allows people to uh, a bit of room to breathe. So one thing that we haven't seen in decks when Field of the Dead has been really popular is spot removal. Like, there's no point playing destroy target creature spells because people are just generating multiple zombies a turn. So all you're playing is board wipes and things like that that can deal with multiple creatures. As soon as you get rid of that issue where you're no longer having to deal with that, you can now build decks and forget about the board wipes and start playing individual cards that are good in certain situations and things like that. So It yeah, means o- that we can have a real control deck again. And as yeah, much as I like to complain- Yeah. As much as I wanted to complain about Esper from a little while ago, right? Because it was kind of the best deck for a bit there. Um it actually lets them have the opportunity to target it. And in doing so, it will bring Simic down a little bit, which means that the aggro decks, which have been really absent because they couldn't punch through a bunch of the the previous mid-range decks, will get the chance to come up a little bit because now they have this gap against control where they usually do quite well. So it seems like it gives us the opportunity to move into a really nice kind of rock, paper, scissors format. Now, whether it plays out like that, whether it pans out that, you know, that's possible or whether, you know, Simic's engine is just too strong and the control decks can't keep up, who knows? It's too soon to tell, but it gives the opportunity for that metagame to evolve where you just couldn't beat playing a land, making four zombies. It just yeah, was, was it, unbeatable for a control deck to keep up with. The health of the format, and, like, there's cool decks out there like Simic Flash that <clears throat> will probably have a decent matchup against the Simic deck um, because they can just counter their key spells. But when you just start making zombies and you don't even have to cast a spell, I think there was um, one of the, the MPL splits the Golos player didn't cast a spell at all in the game against Simic, Splat, uh, Simic yeah, Flash. Yeah, Seth Manfield. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and just started making zombies and it, it's, <laughs> and, won. And, won, and won the game, didn't actually yeah, didn't put a spell, a spell onto the stack. Yeah. So stupid. <clears throat> so that's when you know you've got a problem. Yeah, yeah. So going forward, I, ha- I haven't played Standard in the last week uh, pretty much since since the banning i've been just been doing some drafts this week because i've got a ton of gold that i need to spend and i'm getting my value out of all my drafts but i have a mogul challenge for tomorrow night pending being in the hospital having a child i have no idea what to play <laughs> give me a deck well <laughs> i know Chua, you've been playing your your goal lost fires deck uh yeah Whoa. i've been alternating between the the fires with the uh, Cavaliers and the Simic Food deck. Okay. Um, I wanted to give that a whirl. Uh, I ran out because the Simic Fires deck used up all my wild cards. I'm short a couple of questing beasts, so I'm playing the, the Hydra that fights when it comes into play okay. uh, yep. in that slot. But um, deck is crazy powerful. Um, as Cracker alluded to before, Nissa is a really good magic card. Yep. And, um, yeah, just the... The mid-rangey games are pretty fun, uh, and there's kind of enough value built into your your creatures and planeswalkers that you don't often run out of gas, and you've also got hydrocrisis to to refill. So, it's if you enjoy that mid-range, like the classic The Rock, um, with a bit of an ag- aggro slant, it's it's awesome. But if I was going to play a, a tournament tomorrow, uh, it's really hard to go past fires. It's just such a powerful deck when it uh when it works and like i the other day i was playing and my mono red opponent beat me down to to one life 
and I had a uh, Bone Crusher Giant in play, and I cast two spells and twented them, um, and that, that felt awesome. <laughs> you know, like it was. Um, so it can just kind of win out of nowhere. So um, I'd play that. Like the deck's cool. The deck's also fun, uh, and it's and it's really powerful. So that would be my recommendation. Based I'll, on, I'll yeah. have to see. Uh, I'll have to see how my wild card situation's going and what deck I'm close to playing. But uh, yeah, I'm tipping I probably don't make this uh, this next challenge match. Yeah. But we'll see, we'll see how we go. Um, in, in best of three, you need to have Sorceress spy, Spyglass in your board and just name Oko, even if you do it blind. Um, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Because, uh, yep. yeah, Cavaliers don't make great Elks. Yeah, yep. So there is actually, and, and this is one of the reasons why they brought the um, BNR announcement forward, there is actually another Mythic Championship, Mythic Championship 6, in two weeks on the November the 8th to the 10th. This is uh, going to be in Richmond, and it's standard again. So, like, it's literally three weeks between... Uh, between the Mythic Championships, that's good Worth planning. Worth noting on, on that this is the traditional paper one. Yes, it Right, be, so yeah. this is like the, the old PTs where they had four a year. So this will be like probably 400 people in a convention centre as opposed to these very small arena tournaments. Yeah, so there'll still be coverage. It just it won't be on arena, so it'll, it'll look like standard tabletop tournaments, but it'll be interesting to see. So the the... Pros have basically, I'm assuming a lot of them would have known or not known, like not, not had inside knowledge or anything like that, but they all would have been working under the assumption that Field of the Dead was going to get the ban. So they've probably already been planning prior to the previous Mythic Championship for, for what to do post. Uh, but they basically got three weeks to come up with something new. So we should have a podcast out before that next one. And yeah, we'll be seeing what, uh, what comes out of uh of that weekend and that i guess that will sort of shape the metagame going forward from here but i'm hoping it will be quite diverse so the other thing i've got thing- some spells i want to cast though i, I, I want to cast <laughs> stitches supplier and yes. i want to cast nantuko husk and and rally the ancestors <laughs> yes well I, th- I think what you're uh, you're alluding to there cracker is the other bombshell announcement that we got on monday surprise so everybody everyone, everybody was expecting of course the banner restricted announcement and wizards decided to drop something else that they have created another new format so they've been doing this a bit lately <laughs> we've, we've historic brawl and, brawl and, and yeah historic now and i think this so one's this actually one, good though this yes, one is this very one's good. good. So this one is called Pioneer, and it's basically new modern. Effectively, it is yeah. from the uh, every set that's been released from Return to Ravnica, which was two thousand and six, I believe that was uh, released. Uh, no, that doesn't sound right. Two thousand eleven. I should have looked that up. Anyway, Return to Ravnica onwards. So a whole bunch of the most recent sets. I, I think there's about twenty something sets that are uh, in that pool. And that will be the new non-rotating format. So every set that gets released from now on will get added to the Pioneer card pool. And it has started off with a ban list, as most non-rotating formats uh, tend to have, uh, some sort of ban list. And ten, ten cards on it, on the ban list. Five cards. It's only five cards. And The other pictures the- aren't in there, man. Yeah, oh, so no, they've, they've banned, oh, yeah. right off the bat, they've banned the fetch lands. The from Khan's block. Yeah, the, the enemy fetch lands. So the original Zendikar fetches, the which are the allied fetch lands, they are was too the old. other way around. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The, 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 Zendi- the-, the Zendikar fetches are too old. Is, uh, the original Zendikar set is not that is bef- was released before Return to Ravnica. Uh so they are not in included. So they've banned the fetch lands from Khan's block. So it's something that a lot of people have spoken about for a long time that Fetch lands kind of uh, it allows you to have really good mana bases really easy and they're really in, powerful, really really yeah, powerful. And and in tabletop tournaments, it leads to a lot of shuffling. You're always cracking fetch lands at the end of your opponent's turn and going and getting a land and then shuffling up and then giving your deck to your opponent and they've got to shuffle it and give it back to you. So it just adds a whole bunch of extra time. But by not having them in the format, that it forces you to have awkward mana bases, which leads to creative deck building. And I think I think it's a good idea right off the bat. So, Cracker, I think you're yeah. pretty excited about this format. It's uh, for me. I- I've kind of looked at it and gone, 
I don't even know where to start, <laughs> but I know you've got a few ideas. So, what's sort of taken your fancy right off the bat? Well, when they first announced it, I went, what are they doing? Like, why would they do this? I just, I was actually really just like, I don't understand where they're going with this at all. Because, you know, there's Historic, which is the new format on Arena, which is, you know, like just current standard plus a couple of other sets. But the more I thought about it, I was like, actually, you know, this seems really sweet and I think that this would be really fun, certainly to start with. So, it made us all, like our Discord kind of blew up <laughs> with with the, <laughs> with the beans just chatting about like previous standard decks that we thought would be sweet and like how you could adapt them to include new cards from sets that didn't exist at the time. So, some of the cards that I was just um, referring to was when I was just getting back into Magic uh, a few years ago now, um, one of the decks that was kind of popular towards the end of one of the standard seasons was called Rally the Ancestors. And basically, people just played a whole stack of cheap creatures in usually the um, Abzan colours, so white, black, green. And they were just value creatures, right? They just kind of, they're all like one and two cost and they had some, you know, triggered abilities for things. And basically- They, you had, just, they had either comes into play or when they die triggers yeah, usually. exactly. And so, you basically just wanted to- throw a whole bunch of stuff out there, have it all die, and then play this card, the namesake of the deck, which is Rally of the Ancestors. And I'll quickly read it. It's an instant. It's white, white, X. And it says, return each creature card with converted mana cost of X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield and creatures at the beginning of your next end step. So, you, you basically, you get them back for like a turn. And the combo is that you, you do it in your opponent's end step. And then you can untap, attack them, and then you can sacrifice them all to like a bunch of these creatures that say, you know, sacrifice another creature, like Nantuku Husk, which I was referring to, which is sacrifice a creature, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So they're free sacrifice outlets, which is really important. Um, and then there are other cards like Zulaput Cutthroat, which will deal a damage to an opponent for each creature that dies under your control. So you can kind of just burn someone out from you know a fairly high number quite quickly um and so there's lots of other really powerful spells they're playing like um collected company which is another four mana instant that lets you look at the top six cards of your library and put two creatures with converted mana cost three or less into the battlefield so lots of just really fun stuff and i'm like hey we can do broken graveyard things we should look at broken <laughs> graveyard things so uh, and the other place that i jumped to was Mono blue tempo. I really enjoyed, you know, from just recently the the deck where you just put curious obsession on, you know, a little flyer and just didn't let people play spells. You can play mono blue devotion, which was a, a big deck too. from Theros era. I, I saw uh, people yeah, playing that. Add in a few tempest gins and things like that. Yeah, Nightvale Spectre in that deck. Yep, yep. So there's there's kind of this whole world of interest because some of the really broken things that we've talked about previously from modern like tron and Fetchlands and blood moon and all of the like really broken artifacts aren't going to be in this format so it's going to be really interesting to see what we can do but there are some truly truly broken things that are still in this format so there are cards like dig through time and treasure cruise and Emrakul <laughs> the promise end and ulamog and aetherworks marvel and all these cards have been banned in various formats Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time are restricted in Vintage, which means you get to play one copy of each. Black Lotus is restricted in Vintage. So, like, it gives oh, you an idea. It must be just as good. It's just, it's, it's better. <laughs> to, it's, Treasure Cruise is basically Ancestral Recall. Yeah. I, th I think the difference in this yeah. format is not, not having the fetches. Yes. Uh, by not Absolutely. having the fetches, those delve spells are, are nowhere near as as powerful as they are in the other formats that do have the fetch lands. So. Absolutely. But it's going to be really fun to see, okay, so let me stick it in a deck with Smuggler's Copter, which lets me loot every turn. How quickly yeah. can I fill up my graveyard? So, uh, I mean, I follow a lot of magic people on Twitter because it's great for that. And there are, like, thousands of deck lists. Literally, if you go to MTG Goldfish now and look up the Pioneer lists... There are literally thousands of deck lists already in two days. It's, it's amazing. It's the Wild West. It is the absolute Wild West out there. Well, you've started yeah. playing, Chewie. Tell us about it. Well, uh, as you said just when you, you, know, you were talking about the rally decks, 
most people have sort of defaulted to their favorite or the most powerful or the most busted decks from standard from recently and then thinking about the cards that they get um to to improve them so one of the the favorite decks of mine and shorties over the the last little while is the god pharaoh's gift refurbish with angel of invention shenanigans um we played that deck at uh, the last actual nationals that existed and um yeah I think we both kind of remember that deck pretty fondly. So yeah. I went, uh, I've got a bunch of these cards on Magic Online, so I don't need to, to buy anything to uh, to play the, that deck. So I jumped on this morning because I started work late. So I spent my morning um, doing a, a league on um, on Magic Online. Took me a little bit to get used to the old client again, but um, <laughs> I, I put together an Esper version of... Um, of the GPG and um, yeah, it uh, it's pretty good at filling its, its graveyard. Esper gives you thought erasure on two to go with your charter course, strategic planning, search for Canter, uh, as well as champion of wits. Um, you can fill up your graveyard pretty quickly. So I topped off my curve with two copies of treasure cruise, but I don't think they're actually what I want in the deck, but some of the notable upgrades that the deck gets from uh it's apart from thought erasure is it gets to fairy time reveler so when you played against um counter spell decks with this deck previously it was all about trying to resolve your refurbish and you had to have your own negate and you know if they had a second counter spell then you're in all sorts of strife but teferi kind of fixes that uh helps you against the mid-range decks it's pretty good and i took advantage of the Esperness of it and put in some Scarab God as well. And you also get Fatal Push, um, Thought Seize, uh, Ritual of Soot, um, those sorts of cards in your um, in your sideboard. And, yeah, the deck seems... I, I think from a, a Wild West, like, week one, the deck is coherent. It's proven it's really powerful. It's got good game against um, control decks, which probably don't really exist in a sort of tuned form because the format's so all over the place. Anyway, um, the aggressive decks uh, can be beaten by just attacking on turn four with a six six flying vigilance lifelinker, and the the mid range decks. Um, you know, you've got so much value and recursion with Scarab God, with Teferi, with Champion of Wits. So, I think for uh, and, and Thought Erasure. So I think for uh, a deck early in the format. Like it's something I'm pretty excited about exploring. Uh, in three months' time, when you know the format's closer to being solved, I don't know where it will end up. But right now, a I'm you know a big fan of the deck. It's awesome. It's fun to play, and it's good at the moment. I think so. I went three two in a league um, this morning, and one of the game threes I lost uh, was uh, I draw f- I drew. F- Three, four spells and nine lands, so it's pretty hard to win. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but I played against five different decks, uh, so it is truly the Wild West. I played against like a uh, green-white beatdown deck. I, I played against um, a Rally of the Ancestors, blue-red prowess. Um, I played against uh, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but um, mono blue. Uh, kind of like the deck you were talking about um, with Curious Obsession. Um, it had, there's a wizard, a two mana, two one wizard that if you play, uh, if a creature has a comes into play effect, it triggers twice. Uh, so they had that with the Master of Waves and made like, you know. <laughs> made all the elementals. No, nice. all, the, all the elementals, yeah. I then bounced, <laughs> I bounced a Master of Waves with Teferi. That was pretty fun. But no. um, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that kills all the elementals in case you don't know everyone else. <laughs> yeah. They, they um, all die. So they all die, yeah. So, um, but yeah, the deck's super cool. And like, it is the brewer's paradise out there at the moment. You can play whatever you want. And because everything's based on uh, previous standard decks at the moment, like, there's no, like, new Pioneer decks out there that I know of. Uh, it's all just um, standard decks with with upgrades, like upgraded mana bases um, and then the addition of, um, of cards that, you know, uh, kind of can plug the weakness of, of the deck. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's super fun. If you, if you can handle playing 
the old client, uh, then I highly recommend it. It's it's super good. It's fun. Yeah. That's a point so, worth mentioning. It's not yeah, going to be on Arena, right? Because we're talking about no. sets that go back a number of years now. Um, they've said at this stage that they're not porting it across. So, it's Magic Online and it will be a paper format. Them Wizards are throwing a huge amount of support behind this. Shorty, have you seen what they've got slated? Uh, yes, I know that there are actual PTs next year that this is a format. So, some of the PTQs and some of the Magic Fests and things like that will actually be Pioneer. And I think fairly early on in the in the, the year next year as well. So Yeah, I think four of um, the first six or seven... Magic Fest or Grand Prix or a Pioneer? See, this is the format that everyone was hoping Historic would be. When yeah. Wizards said, hey, don't worry about your cards that are rotating at a standard. We've got something sweet for you guys to do with them afterwards. This is what it should have been. They should have been going nuts programming all these cards. And even if they didn't go back to RTR, even if they did go to like Origins or Khans or something like that, which is a little more recent, I mean, everyone would have been bananas still everyone would have just been completely over the moon with like how sweet it is but instead now we've got another format right and i'm keen i was saying in the discord like i've played magic online a couple of times about five years ago i think i did a couple of the free drafts and stuff and then just went uh i don't understand what's going on but now i'm like hmm it might be time to download this thing again and like see if i can you know rent some cards and play this because it just seems like just fun. Exactly. I, I agree with you 100%. It is what we've wanted. It's what modern used to be um, when it when it first uh, was made a format. So, it, um, I think it's a, a, it's refreshing and something that, you know, I think as a, like, standard can be dominated by a couple of decks as we've well, seen. It's a mid-range the- format typically, right? It's, it's usually yep. based a lot around creatures and things and you kind of... I mean, at the moment, we're restricted to, what, five sets? And what do we say this is now? Like, Pioneer's going to be 20 sets, something like that. So, you've just got a massive amount of tools to draw from. I mean, half of the sets that are in Pioneer are already on Arena. When when they ran the, the beaters of, like, the closed beater of Arena, they had Armand Caird and Kaladesh and those sorts of sets on there already. So... It's not that many. I mean, it still is a lot of sets, but it's not that many to for them to put on. So, it's, it is a little bit confusing, but yeah. So, Shorty, Chewy and I have been yes. talking about the decks that we're interested in playing in this wild west of a format. But uh, it seems like your one of your pet decks might have a second life here. We might be able to put some Arclight Phoenixes back into play and tack some people <laughs> with some bin chickens. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think the old blue-red phoenixes maybe, maybe could come back. I mean, you've got the phoenixes, you've got the thing in the ices. If, thing in the ices? I don't know if things that's right in the ice. <laughs> things, yeah. things in the ice, that's the way. Uh, yeah, you've got those, which is, I guess, the, the, the meat of the deck, but you're missing all the cantrips. Like, we have, I think we've got Opt. Yep. And that new adventure. The, there's that new adventure dude that instant speed lets you- Loot once, yeah, yeah, uh, that's about it. Uh, so, charter course, it's pretty slow, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, the, the strength of the Phoenix deck was the being able to cast multiple one mana either cantrips or discard spells and that sort of stuff to fill your graveyard and get that spell count up really quick. And we're not gonna have that. I mean, uh, like the blue red Phoenix decks have been six or semi successful in previous standards recently, but. I don't know. I, I'll, right. I'll give it a crack. H- hear me out. Yeah, who knows? Goblin Electromancer. Huh? Yes, yes. Um, that, that's all I got. Radical that, Ideas, that Goblin Electromancer, Charter Course. <laughs> um, well, that's that's basically what the standard yeah, deck yeah. was in and, and, a like, little while it, ago. It may not be powerful enough in the face of things no. like Copycat Combo, which we didn't mention, but that seems like a really good, powerful deck. But I, I, I think one of the things that- uh, so people are doing two things. I think they're they're going. This was a really good standard deck, and it gets upgrades. And then people go, well, this is a deck that is in modern or was in modern that um, has a lot of cards that are from these sets. And I think depending on where you sit, you kind of look at each of the decks through a different lens. If you're going, oh, here's a standard deck that gets you know, a better mana base or it gets this this upgraded card or cards and that's that's amazing, then people are pretty excited about that. But if you go, oh, well, it's not as good as the modern deck, then I don't think it's going to work. 
um, you look at it, you know, you look at it more negatively. But when you're looking at something in the context of modern, if you tr- you can't play an, uh, a pioneer deck in modern and expect it to do well, right? It's just not going to. But if you play a a strategy like Phoenix that has been good in standard, if you look at it as a standard deck, but you go, well, I get the the checkland mana base to go with my steam vents so my mana is going to be more consistent and i do get these other cantrips now or whatever other upgrades i might get even cyborg cards then it's it is going to be better than a standard deck and there has been times in standard where it's been you know tier 1.5 maybe even tier 1 so i think it's definitely worth exploring it could be really viable like it's a powerful effect yeah, definitely. Uh, the other thing is, uh, like, it's it's all relative. So you, you go, oh yeah, it's exactly. You know, it's, it's either not powerful enough for modern or, or whatever, but the power level is relative to the other decks that are either have either gotten better or, or gotten worse with the uh, restricted card pool. So yeah, the it. Who knows? Like, we don't know what sort of metagame we're going to be seeing. It's been so. legal for one day, let's point out, right? Yeah, exactly. It's been on Magic Online <laughs> today, and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Honestly, I think the best approach is to do something broken. proactive and as broken as you can possibly do. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people tweeting that if you're not playing a deck that you're trying to get banned, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, you should be trying. There's There's enough broken things- in this format that you can do something that really should be banned. So, Speaking of bans, um, there's currently only yes. five cards on that list, but um, mm. Aaron Forsyth, who is one of the heads of R&D at Wizards of the Coast, has tweeted saying, we're monitoring this really closely. Expect there to be a bunch of very aggressive bans very early on, which is what they did with the early days of Modern, right, where they basically had a couple of big tournaments. There was one big PT where there was like the... Crazy blazing shoal infect decks that could kill people on turn two, and <laughs> yep. the, everyone just went, "Okay, that's enough of that." And then they banned it all out, and everything settled down. So expect that to happen in this, right? If you think a card was too good, maybe don't throw a whole lot of money at it. Yeah, so I think one of the big differences between this and when modern first started, modern started with quite a big ban list. They they kind of went, "Okay, what?" Cards have been banned in standard. What cards have been banned <laughs> in legacy? That sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there was a whole bunch of stuff like you know Jason Mind Sculptor and things like that 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 were all started on the ban list in modern. And then they, over time, very, very, very slowly, they've released some of those cards off the ban list. But it's still quite big. Whereas this format, which is a, this is a new experience. Like I think Chewie, you were saying that this is like when modern started, but it's it's also it's different. It's there are five cards, which are five lands, and that's it. And you can go nuts with whatever you want. And we've never had that before. That's It's a completely new experience. It's pretty cool. That, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And, and that leads back to the disappointment that this isn't on Arena. Like, I really want to play this format, but I am not playing Magic Online. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And I know some of our local stores, like uh, the Ringwood Next Level Games is- they're playing, I think it's Thursday nights, is it? Yeah, right? yeah. They're doing Thursday Night Pioneer, which we generally record our podcast every second Thursday. So, yeah, maybe we can get there on the, the off Thursday. But stores are going to run it. So, people are going to be wanting to play it. They're going to be jumping on Magic Online. It's just, it's really disappointing to, to not have it on Arena, which, uh, who knows? Maybe they will get it on there. But yeah, I think a good place to start if you are looking at getting into Pioneer is, Look at what's been powerful in standard and try and port that over. If you're a brewer, which I've done some brewing in my past, but at the moment I've got too many things going on and my brain's not working good enough, then go for it. You've got a million things you can do and, and find, Fruit yeah, find, find something cool and broken. Um, yeah, otherwise just start tuning old decks. There's a good article uh, that Saffron Olives put up on Goldfish. Uh, he's, he's done his part one a couple of days ago, so I'm assuming there's a part two coming soon where he's gone through 15 or so powerful standard decks that are going to be legal in Pioneer and giving them upgrades. Um, just sort of quickly looking through the list, you've got your blue and your black devotions, burn, the Abzan decks like the Rally and, and the mid-range decks, there's 
dragons. So you got all the the Esper dragons oh, that we played that in deck. in Khan's block. We get like your Silumgar's Scorn, which is counter spell if you've got a dragon in your hand. Eldrazi, the whole Eldrazi block, the the Oath of the Gatewatch. You've got all your Thought Not Seers, Reality Smashes, all that sort of stuff. Oh, fast mana. Uh, not really. No, you <laughs> got no you Eldrazi got Eldrazi Temple. Temple. Yeah. Uh, do you? Yeah, you just don't have the. No, I don't think you do. There's no Eldrazi Temple. That's from original Zendikar, isn't it? I think. I'm pretty sure that's not in Pioneer. So, if, mm. if you're unsure of what's not in Pioneer, Scryfall, which is way better than Gatherer for finding your cards, very quickly uh, added a Pioneer function to their searches and a, a legality for Pioneer. And no, Eldrazi Temple is not legal in Pioneer. So, yeah, there's no no fast mana there. Yeah, what else have we got here? In so Solar Artifacts. <laughs> yeah, it's all hard. Oh, that was a good pro yeah. tool, that one. Yeah, I played against that this morning. That was one of the other decks yeah, I played. Right. There yeah. It's humans and spirits, the the energy decks, the delirium decks. Delirium so with a, Emrakul. There's a ton and, yeah. of, yeah, I mean, ton of, ton of good decks, decks there. The I'm, energy I'm pretty decks. keen to work on my two of my favourite cards ever. I've always loved Quarter Calling. A very soft spot in my heart for that. And being able to pair that with Collected Company, those two just, oh, yeah, I love those two. Um, I've no idea what I would build with that. Probably some sort of aristocrat-style combo thing. There, there's no – you've got the uh, Druid, the um, uh, the Vizier of Remedy, sorry. That's, that's in Pioneer, but there's no Devoted Druid. And there's also no Persist creatures, which work really well with the, uh, with the Vizier of Remedy. So – can't do that, but I'm sure we can find something to do with, with those two. You could do elves with end race forerunners as your finisher instead of hoof. Yeah. Yep. So there's there's plenty to do. Um yeah, lots lots of brewing to be done. There's gonna be deck lists everywhere. And yeah, if if you can stomach it, then get back on Magic Online and, and give it a crack on there. So. More the point, get to your local game store and play with real people in person. Yeah, definitely. Yep. It's something we need to do. <laughs> something we do not do enough of. That uh, yeah, we we would definitely love to do some more. But yeah, if you if your local game store is running these tournaments, then go and check them out. I mean, for me, like around Return to Ravnica or, or Return to Ravnica was legal in standard when I started getting right back into playing Magic, whenever that was. So I have a lot of these cards, and and one thing we haven't spoken about yet, which we we will do a topic on for one of our podcasts, is managing collections and that sort of stuff. So I have pretty much since. What was the block after Theros? Was that Carnes? Yeah. Yep. I think it was. Yeah. Pretty much since Carnes, I have bought a booster box and a bundle, or the fat packs as they used to be called, of every set since then. So, and then because I was playing standard in that format, I bought some Return to Ravnica cards and some Theros cards and that sort of stuff. So, for me, this format is perfect because I can't afford really being able to go and buy, you know, drop 400 bucks on mox opals or 500 600 bucks however much they are now things like that that's that's not possible for me whereas this format is quite recent and should be fairly affordable uh from from what we're seeing with most of the decks so 2012 I, rtr came out 2012 yeah, october okay, 2012 just yep so yeah I, th- I think this is going to be a very popular format uh there was a format called frontier that was getting pushed a, a couple of years ago from a, a few stores but that sort of never went anywhere didn't have the official wizard support but this is looking like it's going to be very well supported and very pushed so it's going to be pretty exciting and yeah like like cracker said they're they're planning on being fairly heavy with the bands or they're fairly willing to ban stuff which i definitely would be expecting Pretty quickly, I'm, I'm assuming that they'll watch the uh, the leagues on Magic Online and they'll start banning stuff. Probably, uh, I would assume there would be a reasonable ban list before they start playing any uh, players' tours and, and things like that early next year. So. Yeah, I reckon you've got till the end of the year before they start. And I don't know that they'll be heavy, but I think they're just willing to accept that it's inevitable. And I think they'll try and be as surgical as they can. Um, so they might take out something like Felidar Guardian, right? Which we've seen. Um, that, was that banned? Yes, it was, it was. banned because it goes infinite with Sahili Rai. Yeah, so, with Sahili. Yep. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see cards like that or like Aetherworks Marvel or something, which doesn't hit a whole bunch of other decks. Um, it just kills that one particular potentially overpowered archetype. So, yeah. How much um, how much stock do you think they'll put into Magic Online results? Like if one, you know, if Aetherworks Marvel, as an example, 
you know, puts up five error results, you know, 20% more than the next best deck, do you think they'll that will be enough to qualify a ban or do you think they'll wait for an actual event? Uh, I, I reckon I would hope that they would give it a good couple of months. Uh, I, I don't know when the first major tournament is and I, I'm assuming that uh, like Star City and that sort of stuff, they're not going to change any of their scheduled events for the rest of the year. So uh, I don't think there'll be a major event till, I don't know, middle to end of January. So I, I would hope that they would give it a good, two months maybe to, to close to the end of the year to really get a lot of data because, yeah, you're going to have – someone's going to build a deck. It's going to go on Twitter and it's going to be, this is the broken deck for Pioneer and that's going to start the shaping of a metagame because people are going to start having something that they have to build around. And if the the metagame can react to that well enough, then its percentages come down and then it evens out. But if it doesn't, then that's the sort of thing that they can look at. So I, I, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I hope they're yeah, aggressive with bans and unbans, actually. It's an approach yeah. that they've, they've never really taken. It's kind of up until really the last 12 months, unbans have not really been a thing. So this seems like a really good format where they could do that without it being horrendously costly in terms of monetary value, like a lot of the decks that you, if you go onto like Goldfish or whatever, these these Pioneer decks and like the prices will creep up now, but most of them are cheaper than the current standard decks yeah. and, and stand to stay that way for quite a while because, you know, there's huge amounts of availability for a lot of these sets because they're not super old and they were, you know, popular and recent. So there's, there's huge amounts of printings. We're not reaching back to like 8th edition, which is, you know, like, 16 years ago whatever it was right <laughs> so the, there's there's good availability so i hope gee i'm old yes we are play played that standard <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and, and that's always been an issue with modern is uh, like magic in terms of its player base around the the original zendikar set had a massive boom and player number spike so all the sets that were printed prior to Zendikar, the the print runs were low. Like the, there was not a high volume of cards out there. You then get this massive player spike. And so those sets, those Zendikar sets were not printed massively either. They were printed a bit more, but not as much. And then beyond there, that's when they started printing more card, uh, more of the, the sets and the releases and that sort of stuff to to cater for the player base. But yeah, you were stuck in this thing where your cards from Mirrored and Block, like your Chalice of the Voids and, and things like that that were ancient, were just ridiculously priced because there was just not enough of them. And, yeah, hopefully with, with how they print stuff these days and with it, this being, yeah, much more recent, we shouldn't see that be too much of a problem. And, I mean, prices will spike. There's there's no, <laughs> there's no two ways around it. And I know there's been a lot of uh, people going on about Oh, let's not uh, get into buyouts that. and <laughs> things like that. We don't have Chris on here for our hashtag MTG finance discussion. So, but uh, yeah, pr- prices will go up. If you've got some decks that you're considering playing and you're thinking of playing this format, then I suggest picking them up now. Uh, and yeah, it just gives you another reason to hold on to your cards that you're you're playing in standard at the moment. Because yeah, there's another format that they're more likely to be able to be played in so i really I like that pretty point, excited. actually that's that's really good because having cards that um you know just completely floor on price and you you know it might be a a card that you've come to really enjoy playing and then it's just gone can be disconcerting for a a new player so having a uh, having a format that you can just port it straight to is brilliant well done wizards Yep, yeah, we can I now mean, play Field of the Dead immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's literally what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and on that yeah. bombshell, yeah. <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks, boys. Take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think we will uh, we will leave it there. We've uh, we've gone pretty long tonight, and it's definitely well past midnight. And I assume you're working tomorrow, Cracker. So yep. have fun with that. Thanks. But, uh, yeah, that, that'll do us for now. We'll, uh, like I said, we will have another podcast out before the next Mythic Championship. So we can have a bit of a discussion about how the metagame's looking heading into that. Uh, we won't get deck lists in advance like we did for this, uh, MC because, uh, this is a tabletop one, but we'll, we should have a bit of an idea of how things are looking by then. So it should be a pretty good discussion. If you, uh, come up with any sweet, 
brews for Pioneer, then we definitely want to know about them, uh, especially if they're to do with the decks that we've talked about tonight. If you've got some good ideas for them, then, yeah, definitely hit us up. So, as usual, you can find us at the normal places. Uh, so, yes, find us over on Twitter, uh, at MagicBeansCast. Flick us an email, MagicBeansCast at gmail.com, or hit us up on Facebook. Just search for Magic Beans Cast as well as on YouTube. So, uh, Chewy, I, th- I think you're talking about recording some Pioneer Leagues. I don't know if you've done that yet, but hopefully you will in, in the next week or so and, and get a video up there. Yeah, and if anybody wants to send us uh, a deck list, I'll do my best to put it together and do a do a bit of a feature if uh, if I can get the cards together. Yep, that that be fun. Good. Easy. All right. Well, yeah, that'll do us. If you want to find me on Twitter for any reason, you can find me at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are uh, at Chewy MTG and Cracker Joel Hill underscore. Very good. And that'll do us for tonight. So thank you again for listening and we will see you next time. Bye.